Hi, this is Rich from Chew the Metal podcast, and you're listening to Concerts That Made Us. Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. I'm chatting with Rich from Chew the Metal Podcast, a great podcast where Rich and Kyle discuss albums from the rock and metal genre. I highly recommend you check it out. We chat about the podcast, of course, and Rich's concert experiences. It's a great chat I know you're going to love. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Rich, you're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's good to be here. I'm a big fan, so thank you. <laughs> well, thanks. I'm, I'm glad you, uh, you're enjoying the show anyway. And it's great to have you here and chat about your musical interests and concerts for the next bit. Yeah. So before we get into that now, I want to introduce my listeners to your podcast, Chew the Metal. It's a, it's a pretty entertaining podcast as well and as we've mentioned before there's a bit of crossover with my one you know i think uh anyone that's a fan of mine will definitely be a fan of yours would you like to tell us a bit about it yeah thank you yeah um yeah so it's it's called chew the metal and it is uh it's a primarily a rock and metal sort of commentary podcast that i co-host um with with my friend kyle and we've been doing it for just over two years now. Um, we're just coming up to our hundredth episode, which is very, very exciting. Um, and basically the, the general structure is that we have a big spreadsheet with a load of albums by a ton of artists. Some are albums that we both know that we love and some are bands and artists that we've never listened to before, but we, feel like, oh, maybe that's someone we should give a go to or or we've had recommendations. And we just use a random number generator to 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 tell us what album we're going to be listening to for the next episode. Uh, so that that side of it is, is pretty exciting because obviously you have no idea what you're going to be doing on the on the next one. And then we give ourselves some time to to listen to the album a number of times to do some research into the the production and the uh you know how well it did on release and and then we just sort of chat through the songs and we 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 decide at the end whether it goes in our hall of fame or not which is completely arbitrary but it's <laughs> you know it, it's a good sort of measure to have at the end of the show and and then we pick certain songs and we we curate a playlist that goes along with each season so you can sort of listen along to that and it tells the story of of how we enjoyed that season's albums Jeez, they're coming up on your hundredth episode. Does it feel yeah. like you've done a hundred episodes, or does it, you know, has it flown by? Um, yeah, I, I think I'm quite surprised that it's it's become a hundred. I mean, it's 
because it's been over two years, it's sort of just part of our routine now. And it's, I can't really imagine not doing it whenever we do a little break for, for whatever reason, you know, if, if one of us needs some time off, it, it definitely feels weird not doing it. But yeah, it, it's, it's strange that, I mean, this week we recorded our 99th episode and it, it's, it was strange saying episode 99, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jeez. And you touched on something there, actually, how much you miss it when you're not doing it. That's something I've noticed as well when I've taken breaks. It's like, you know, you try not to think of it for a few days, but it's like almost you're craving it or it's like something major in your life is actually missing when you're not doing it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's sort of, I mean, for us, at least, we started the podcast during the the very first COVID lockdown um, as a way to still sort of keep our friendship going because we were living in two different cities in in, in the UK. Uh, so obviously we couldn't see each other. So we, we did it as a, we're both big music fans. So we just thought, right, well, let's, let's try this. And it means we can discover some new stuff and it means we make sure we chat weekly, you know? Um, and, you know, yeah, as, as a, as a result of that, because it is this weekly thing, it, it becomes part of your routine and your, your structure. And yeah, then, then when you don't do it for a week or two, you think, Obviously, it's one part of you is sort of like, oh, I, I can listen to whatever I like. I don't have to listen to a certain album. But at the same time, it's like, oh, well, what do I do now? But what, what did I used to do before I did this? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I totally get that. I totally get that. And one of the best things about it is, you know, the banter between you two. It really comes across that you're really good friends and you're just, you know, sitting back, having a laugh, enjoying the music. But as well, one thing I that stands out straight away is the amount of knowledge you guys have. I mean, when I listened to the first episode, I was like, yeah, I'm glad I'm sticking to concerts because I'd never <laughs> be able to retain so much information about an album. Well, I mean, it's very kind of you to say. Of course, it's 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 down to weekly research. That That is not our you know base knowledge if you were to pick an album now there is like a random one there is absolutely no way i could tell you in as much detail as we do in an, in an episode but um yeah i mean we we both have a big passion for music which is why we decided to do that topic and and similar tastes as well which helps and we're both music players as well so i, I think that gives it an interesting insight because we can not only talk about it as fans but we can talk about it as as people who play instruments and things like that so uh yeah so that along with doing a, a ton of research and reading what we can i think gives us a good insight and does it come in handy in uh general knowledge quizzes like do you retain much of the information like if i was to say to you episode 10 tell me a few things about the album that you discussed would you be able to or is it once the episode <laughs> is over you wipe clean um I would say, unfortunately, probably most of it um, disappears <laughs> over time. Um, I, I can, with, I mean, I'm, I'm quite like strange with numbers and, and retaining certain information like that. So I, I can tell you that episode 10 was Nevermind by Nirvana because that was a, obviously ah. a big one that stuck out. Um, but yeah, I, I think we, we had a little game a few weeks ago on our sort of second birthday as a podcast where uh, Kyle had a, a list of band members and i had to try and remember which bands they were from and you know we're, we're talking 
you know, months and months had passed, but we managed to remember a lot of them actually. Ah. So if there was a top album for you then out of the ones mm-hmm. you've covered, which one is it? Out of everything we've covered, uh, well, that's, that's hopefully an easy one to answer because at the end of each year, we try and make our top tens of the ones we've talked about. So the two years that we've covered so far, my my two top number one albums have been Paranoid by Black Sabbath and The Blackening by Machine Head. Uh, and I would say Paranoid by Black Sabbath because, I mean, they, they're obviously the the creators of the heavy metal genre. Uh, so, you know, there's huge props to them for that. And I think it's it's so easy to to say albums like that are incredible and classic because they have that influence. But if you actually sit down and listen to the album Paranoid, it is just a perfect, perfect album. It's yeah. just incredible. And, you know, yeah, it's it's got the prestige of the singles, but just as an album, it's, I can't, I can't fault it at all. Yeah. Yeah. You're definitely right there. And the future, where would you like the podcast to go or what would you, what would you hope would happen with the podcast? Oh goodness. Um, <laughs> well, I would definitely like to keep it on a, a similar path to, to how we're doing at the moment. I think we're looking to get a lot more guests involved in the show. So we get some new perspectives and some new suggestions for albums so that's something we're looking to do this year um we've had guests in the past but i think we're looking to really ramp that up because it's always fun when you get given an album by someone else then you know if someone else comes to you and say this is my favorite band or this is my favorite album and it's not someone you've listened to you now get to say oh okay what is it about this album or what is it about this artist that this person really, really connects with. And that, and that's, that's something that has really sort of given us a great perspective. Um, and I'm not too sure. I think, I think that's the, that's the main goal. Um, I think doing some live shows would be fun, but, uh, yeah, I'm not too sure at the moment. I think that would be the main thing. The, uh, the live shows always seem to be a thing with, with podcasts, don't I know even mm-hmm. it's crossed my mind and I've had a couple of listeners say that they'd love to see a, a live show of my podcast, but I'm always constantly kind of thinking there's so much logistics with it and how would you actually yeah. get it to work? You know, it sounds like yeah, it would course. be a hell of a lot of fun, but it'd be an awful lot of work. You know, it wouldn't be just like uh, producing your weekly episode. Not at all. Not at all. And I, and I think if you were to do a, live one then uh you you've always got to think about like you've got to do something special for it you know and yeah. and just just coming up with that special concept for it is uh is a thing in itself i mean we've been racking our brains for the the past few weeks trying to figure out what we're going to do special for our 100th episode <laughs> it's just <laughs> you know how do you how do you mark that by doing exactly what you always do but with a with a special twist on it. It's, it's tricky. Yeah. I've, uh, that's crossed my mind as well. I think I've 17 or 18 episodes left until my hundred. And wow. I'm taking some comfort that in that's like, you know, 15, 16 weeks, but at the same time, it will come around pretty fast. And I do want to, you know, yeah. I don't want to just let it pass by without acknowledging it. But, um, the final question then about the podcast before we move into your personal music taste and concerts. Sure. 
you mentioned you had guests or you're going to have more guests on. Mm. Is there any music genre you're closed off to? Like if a guest comes on and says, oh, I want to discuss this Britney Spears album. <laughs> um, well, I mean, obviously we are called to the metal. So I think hopefully people would sort of be mindful of the fact that it is a rock and metal podcast. But I think as we're probably going to get into in the rest of our conversation, my personal tastes are very eclectic and I know Kyle's are as well. And we have certainly pushed the, pushed the boundaries of what we would class as rock and metal over the past 99 episodes. I mean, last year we did a episode on Bruce Springsteen and yes, he, he plays guitar, but I, I don't know if you could call uh, Born in the USA rock necessarily as good as it is, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, I, I a lot of people would place him into the genre, but strictly, I suppose, he wouldn't technically be proper rock. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're, they're, yeah, there's definitely some kind of subgenre, or, you know, if, if you're being very sort of... Um, simplistic about it it'd probably be in in rock but i mean that that album is so poppy in so many ways yeah yeah definitely definitely and we might as well jump into you personally so can you remember your earliest musical memory this is the one that i've been really struggling with (laughs) (laughs) um i sadly there isn't like a specific moment where you know, I was super young and I, I remember picking up a toy guitar or or hearing a certain thing. Uh, so it's probably going to be something along the lines of, you know, hearing music in my parents' car or hearing music at home that, you know, obviously when, when you're, until you're a certain age, you don't really understand the concept of different artists or having favorite artists or albums or, or songs or anything. You just hear things, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. So it would probably just be hearing music at home or in the car and not really knowing what to make of it or or why it's there or or how it's got there. I mean, my, my parents have very differing music tastes. So if it was in my dad's car or something, it would probably be some kind of guitar-based album like <laughs> Joe Satriani or, or Eric Clapton maybe. Um, and with my mum, maybe it might have been I don't know, something in the early 90s, I guess she might have been listening to Celine Dion or, or something like that. So it would just be something about hearing a piece of music like that. And, you know, it, I don't think there's a specific super early turning point where I was suddenly switched on, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I get you. I get you. And how would you describe your music taste? Um, I, I would say... I mean, I, I I really don't like it when people say, oh, well, you know, I'm into a bit of everything and then they don't expound on it because I know, I mean, I'm personally into a lot of everything and I know lots of people are, but if you don't expand on that, then it doesn't help a conversation <laughs> at all. Um, so I would say generally I'm into rock and metal. That's sort of my my main area of, uh, and you know, that that's certainly the genres that I I know the most about mm. and have the 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 wider knowledge around the bands and things um so i mean specifically i'm a big fan of the 90s seattle rock bands like nirvana and alice in chains um and how that sort of bled through to foo fighters and, and people like that um and then on the metal side 
artists that I come back to a lot and the most are probably people like Metallica and Deftones and Slipknot and Architects and bands like that. Um, but then I'm a big pop fan as well. So I, I am a big Taylor Swift fan. I like Dua Lipa, um, the, the Scottish band Churches. Um, I would probably put Lana Del Rey probably in my top five artists. Ah. Um, and then I listen to a lot of hip hop as well. People like Run the Jewels and Kendrick Lamar. Um, so, I mean, those genres, I have certain artists that I go to, but I, I don't really know not enough about those areas of the industry or know enough other artists to be able to find newer ones. Whereas rock and metal is where I feel comfortable and I know that if I like this, then I'm probably going to like that based on what I know about it. It's pretty solid music taste now. It's pretty, as you mentioned earlier, eclectic. You know, it's a normally, well, not normally, but you'd come across people who are like, mad into rock and metal and just mm-hmm. close themselves off to you know pop <laughs> yeah. or hip-hop you know they're like i would never yeah. be caught dead listening to that but no it's pretty cool now that you uh have such a wide range well i certainly used to have that viewpoint i think when i was 17 18 sort of age and really you know that's a very formative time and you're, you're trying to find out who you are as a person and i think it's it's so easy at that point to say this is what I like and I'm not going to deviate. And you sort of think the more specific you are about what you like and what you don't like, the the cooler or more distinguished you are. But, you know, I think it's just, there's there's, there's actually a lot of, uh, there's a lot of crossover with, with a lot of those things. And I think the reason I like Run the Jewels or Kendrick Lamar, for instance, or, or some Kanye West stuff is because there's like a there's quite a heavy side to it you know a lot of hip-hop has quite a heavy backing to it which is possibly the reason i got into it in the first place and then that's progressed into the artists i like now but i think you you can't necessarily be too closed off because it's all there's there's so much crossover yeah yeah exactly exactly and could you pinpoint to a moment now that you could describe as your musical awakening you know the first time that you kind of really started to take music in yeah i think so i mean it's especially in terms of sort of leading me onto the path that i'm on um now it it would be around the sort of uh 2000 2001 era so i would have been 11 um and i remember bands like i remember having uh the album by some 41 and having a red hot chili peppers album and and sort of thinking okay these are you know i think this was probably the first time i was aware of bands and people playing instruments as a band rather than like pop groups um and there was a, a friend i had at school who turned me on to a lot of music and really sort of helped progress that and i, I remember probably not all in the same day if I think about these albums <laughs> and when they came out. But I just remember him introducing me to Linkin Park, Nirvana, and then a compilation CD that he played and it had Slipknot and Deftones and Queens the Stone Age on it. And, and ah. it just completely opened things up for me. Um, so yeah, sort of around then when I was 11. And then sort of around there, probably before that as well and, and through then, as I said earlier, my, my dad was listening to people like Eric Clapton and Jimi Hendrix, and he was the one that introduced me to Black Sabbath, for instance. And so there was always that sort of influence at home as well with the sort of more classic stuff, you know, like Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin things. And so it, I guess it was a fusion of 
learning these new things from people at school and learning sort of the bedrock from from my dad and, and then figuring out which bits of which I liked, you know? Yeah, I um, I feel like, you know, people around our age that grew up in them times, guys especially, I feel like, you know, when they're about 12, 13, I guarantee you, we all had the exact same albums and CDs in our collection. You know, I had yeah. the Red Hot Chili Peppers, the Nirvana as well, you know? Yeah. But yeah. I, re- I remember when I got into Nirvana, I feel like my music taste just froze for about two years and Nirvana was <laughs> yeah. all I wanted to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, they're in one of those intoxicating bands that if, if they're the first band that you hear of that kind of thing, it's just, it just wows you really. And I mean, I just, you know, for me, I, I feel like I would, I, uh, I was born maybe 10 years too late or something, you know, <laughs> knowing, you know, I, I, so many of these bands I got into after they were no longer around. And I, you know, it's, it's a shame that you can't see these bands anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You just reminded me of something. I remember, uh, when I was a teenager, one of my good friends would turn around to me and say, Oh, you wouldn't like this band. The singer is still alive. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah and to tie in with your podcast a bit with this next question what's the first album or single you purchased with your own money um i mean unfortunately the the honest answer is is probably something kind of embarrassing uh <laughs> right probably a single on tape by someone like s club seven when i was about seven or eight i imagine would be the, the the real answer um but the first cd single i remember buying myself was this single hero from the spider-man soundtrack oh yeah and uh so it was chad kroger from uh nickelback and um i think josie scott from saliva was the backing vocalist on it mm. and so i think i was probably aware of nickelback already and then you know, saw Spider-Man in the cinema and was like, this is a fantastic song. (laughs) (laughs) So that was definitely the first CD single I bought myself. You, of course, you've done an episode on Nickelback. Are you... (laughs) We have, yeah, recently, yeah. Are you one of the people that love to hate them or can you actually give them their their dues? I think they have definitely uh, had peaks and troughs over the years, for sure. Um, But listening back to Silver Side Up, um for the for the podcast i i honestly can't fault it too much i mean maybe that's nostalgia talking for a lot of it but it it really took me back to a place and some of the songs are really really great rock songs regardless of how manufactured it might be or or how much people can and do hate them you know there's certainly some merits there yeah yeah have you heard uh, their latest song san quinton yeah, I did listen to it yesterday, actually. It's, it's got a pretty heavy riff, hasn't it? It does, yeah. It's not It's not too bad. I feel like if you were to... It's a pretty good rock song, but if you were to take anything away, I think maybe it might fall a bit short on the lyrical side. Yeah, I think that's where they've sort of fallen down, isn't it? But they've. Mm. I think that the lyrical side of it has, all, has just, since, I don't know, maybe 2006 or something, has become very poppy and very sort of surface level and this and it sort of takes away because they're they're good i mean he he does have a good voice and they are good musicians but when he's singing about 
you know, partying. Now, that's pretty much all they sing about now. And it's sort of, <laughs> it's, it's a lot less than what it used to be, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But I, I did what I did want to say, um, in terms of buying CDs back then, it was, I just found it, I, when I was thinking about it today, I was thinking how exciting it used to be to buy albums compared to now where you, you know, you just open up Spotify or, or whatever and you just say, Oh, there's an album I can pick and choose and whatever. And you suddenly, you suddenly have a whole band's catalog like at your, at your hands. Whereas I remember when I used to buy albums when I was a teenager and you're pretty much just basing it off the one song you've heard on a <laughs> Kerrang CD or that someone's told you about. And, and then you just go into the shop and you're holding all these like physical CDs and you, you're literally just making these complete random decisions. And, and sometimes they were busts and sometimes they might be your new favorite band, but it, it just had such an excitement about it. One of my favorite things to do sometimes is go back through my old CD collection and look at the really good ones, but also the really weird choices I made when I came <laughs> to purchasing them. Yeah, yeah. This next question now, I like this because I feel nowadays it has to be pretty important for you to purchase it. So what was your last music purchase? Well, I did actually have to do some digging to find this because it it has been a while because of streaming. Um, but the last album I bought was Damn by Kendrick Lamar. In I bought it in 2018. It came out in 2017. Um, and for me, that is one of those rare albums that sort of feels like a, I don't know, a, most albums are just a collection of songs and they could be excellent songs or they could be terrible songs, but they're just a collection of songs that sort of work in a certain order. Whereas I feel there's certain, there's, you know, a small list of albums where it just feels like a complete piece, you know? And, and for me, Dam is one of them. I mean, I think it's just, just down to things like in his lyrics, he, he references the other songs within the, within the album he, he sort of tells such a story and tapestry going through it and it's it's not really surprising that he won a nobel prize for writing it because it, it's such a thick and textured piece of music jeez i i was fully expecting you're going to say you haven't purchased music since like 2012 or something that's uh <laughs> that's still pretty recent what only four years yeah 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 and he's actually the the next gig I have lined up. I'm seeing him uh, in a few weeks with my wife. So that's going to be really fun. Ah, brilliant, brilliant. Perfect segue as well to the first concert <laughs> experience. What was the first ever concert you were at? Uh, the first concert I went to was Motorhead in 2004. Oh, when man. I was 14. Yeah, I went with my dad. And I think I basically begged him to take me. Um, and it, it, I don't think it was so much that I was dying to see Motorhead. I think it was just that I wanted to see live music. And I remember just for all of my teens, I would basically just flick through the, the back pages of Kerrang where they just had all the tour posters. And I would just, you know, find, you know, I, I guess the, the reason it's Motorhead was because there was a crossover. My dad would have liked them. I would have liked them. So it was, more more of a chance that he would have said yes i guess <laughs> um and it was certainly experience i mean they had the the t-shirts that they were selling at that gig it just said motorhead everything louder than everything else and that's certainly true i mean it was a very very loud night um they were supported by sepultura who are a ah. brazilian 
sort of thrashy groove metal band. Yeah. And, and I, with them as my, like literally the first band I've ever seen live, it was so loud and the bass was so loud that I just remember almost feeling like not nauseous, but like, I just did not understand what was happening. And, um, but you know, I, I stuck it out and I'm glad I did obviously, cause it's uh, taken me to so many other things, but yeah, I think I'm, I'm always quite happy that, I can answer my first concert with with Motorhead because it's it is a good answer. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is. I'm actually jealous. Jeez, that's setting the bar pretty high now for uh, future concerts. Jeez. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it and it managed to, um, it it did two things. It it sort of opened up the the gates to then be able to go to gigs with my friends, but it it also uh, was the first of many gigs that I've gone to with my dad, which has been a really nice tradition. We've sort of kept going over the years so that's that's been really fun did you ever see them again since no i haven't seen them a second time um i think uh i think i was pretty lucky just to see them that one time um but yeah yeah i would i would have recommended them yeah yeah unfortunately of course you can't nowadays but geez you're very lucky you got to see them and the last concert you were at the last gig i was at is probably the complete other end of the spectrum. Uh, it was a couple of weeks ago in Hackney in London. It was a French uh, electronic duo called Agar Agar, who I don't think are very big, and I hadn't heard of them really, but my friend um, who lives in Munich, he'd come over back to the UK for the gig and he had a spare ticket. So I just, you know, I wanted to see him. I love live music, so I just thought I'd tag along. Yeah. And it was it was fantastic. Um it was just this very sort of like dark, pounding, poppy electronic music. Um and it was just the two of them. It was very lo fi, it was very sort of DIY. Um, you know, for instance, they they started their first song and then they realized something wasn't plugged in properly, so they had to stop, sort <laughs> it out and start again. Um and then a few songs in they uh they stopped playing and one of them came over the microphone and he said, oh, sorry, guys, um, I think we've, we've got the bass turned up a bit high and it's making things vibrate around on our tables. So we're just going to have to tape some things down. So just bear with us. <laughs> you know, so it was it was very DIY, but it, it was very charming because of that. And it was yeah, really good music as well. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely recommend seeing them. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. What's um. What's London actually like for gigs? I imagine it's like, you know, the same as being in LA. You could have a show every <laughs> single night if you wanted. I imagine you could. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not short of venues. That's for sure. And and of different sizes as well. Because obviously you've got, you know, depending on who you're wanting to see, you've got things like the O2 and Wembley Arena all the way down to, I mean, this place in, in Hackney that we saw them. I imagine the capacity was maybe a couple of hundred and it, I mean, I don't think it was really even a music venue. It was just a, a space that had a bar and some, a space for a stage. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, and there's, there's countless very, uh, iconic venues in, in London as well, which yeah, I'm, I'm lucky that I've always been close enough that that's been my, my biggest place to go to. And what do you look for in a concert? What makes a good concert experience for you? Um, well, I think there's a few factors that make a good concert. Um, obviously, the, the form that the band are in is definitely a big part of it. Um, I think I'm fortunate enough to 
not have had to witness any sort of bad nights as you as you might think um you know i've not seen bands and thought mm, they weren't really on it tonight um you know you, you hear some stories of major bands or major rock stars and they're sort of not in the mood or they go off in a in a fuss or whatever <laughs> so I've, I've been lucky not to not to have to do that although that there were a couple of groups i've seen at festivals where they you know sort of just came out played the music didn't interact at all and leave and I, i'm never a fan of that I, I do like a bit of interaction you know because you've You've paid to see them and you want to see them and you'd like to think that they want to see you as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm the exact same there. Yeah. Um, I think sound systems play a large part as well. And especially at festivals, if it's windy and you're in a field, that can really, really affect what you can hear and what you can't hear. And that can that really can be part of, you know, did you have a good experience or not? Well, no, I couldn't hear one of the guitars properly. <laughs> um and uh and then it comes down to the crowd and the company you're with i think i think we're we're in a good genre the, the rock and metal community is is generally a very friendly community despite what other people might expect it you know the crowds at metal gigs are lovely lovely people and you know even though they're thrashing around and like you know mushing and hitting each other <laughs> basically if anyone falls down there'll be 10 people straight away picking them up and you yeah. know you always see you know, if big sort of mosh pit has opened up and people have lost shoes or whatever, you always see people saying, oh, here's your phone, here's your shoe. You know, it's it's always a really nice atmosphere. Um, and I think if, if you're with the right company, then that can sort of elevate a band that it might just be an okay band, but if you're with the right company, it might become something even more than they could have otherwise been. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I always find it funny that, you know... It's the one crowd that are the most intimidating looking out of any <laughs> genre of music, but they're actually, I'd nearly go as far as saying they're the nicest crowd, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like you were yeah. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And what is a concert that you would revisit over and over again if you could? Um, so it would probably be. Uh, I saw the band Architects in Brighton in 2016. Uh, I was living in Brighton at the time. And um, they are, I don't know if you're familiar with Architects, but they're a, they're Brighton-based, well, they're from Brighton at least. Um, but they are a metal band who have sort of developed over the years and now they're playing a lot more sort of metal with uh, a lot of electronic elements and things. But at their core, they're a... A metal band mm -hmm. and um i had uh i just actually worked alongside them um in a couple of projects because i'd worked on a couple of music videos for them so i'd you know in sort of month before the gig i'd i'd met them a few times i'd sort of seen them in the day-to-day -day and things like that and then seeing them in this gig which for them was a homecoming gig because it was in their hometown yeah. it was an album release gig as well so they were in really good spirits and it was a really fun venue in Brighton. And they sort of, they mentioned the music videos because they'd just come out that day in relation to the album. So there was sort of that connection with them, which obviously you don't usually tend to have. No. Um, and I was just by myself at the gig. So I was, you know, totally free to just do whatever I want and, you know, be right at the front and get <laughs> completely stuck in. Um, and I've, I've seen them, I'd seen them twice before that night and I've seen them twice since that night. And I think that was the, the most perfect of the five gigs. Um, 
And then also it was um, sadly that that summer, their lead guitarist, who was one of the founding members, he sadly passed away um, about two months after that gig. So it was the final time I got to see them with him as part of the lineup as well. So it, it, it's got a lot of a lot of uh, special memories for me for a number of reasons. So, yeah, that was that was one of the perfect gigs, I think. Yeah, yeah, sounds like it. Sounds like it. Jeez, and I had no idea that you you would have worked with them on the music videos. Is there uh, more of a story there? Um, yeah, so I've, I've done, I've worked on a lot of music videos over the years. Um, and I was just lucky that, um, cause I, I was living in Brighton at the time and my friend who's a music video director who I was, um, in a house share with his girlfriend. So I was always hanging out with him and, um, and he knew I was a fan of theirs, and I just got a text from him one day saying, "Oh, I've uh, I've been asked to direct a new video for Architects. Would you be interested in um, shooting it for me?" And obviously, it was a big two thumbs up from me. I was <laughs> I was a big fan of them already. Yeah. Um. So that was that was probably one of the first times that I'd sort of worked with people I was really really um, aware of and, and fans of. And you know, I, I remember turning up on the first day and. Um, the director introduced me to them saying, this is Sam, this is Tom. And in my head, I was thinking, I, of course, I, I know exactly who these people are. <laughs> you know? I've had posters of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. And not to get too negative now, but mm. what would you consider some of the worst concert experiences you've had? Now it can be the band or it can be something that happened at the concert. Well, I, I don't know how, uh, how you're going to take this answer. Cause I, I know that they I think they're maybe one of your more favorite bands, but unfortunately that this story is going to be about Guns N' Roses, I'm afraid. <laughs> right, right. Um, cause I, I was at Reading Festival. Um, I think it must have been around 2009 or 2010, maybe. And they headlined and, and obviously like whatever situation you're in, Guns N' Roses are not a name that you, turned down you know you, you are not going to miss that gig regardless <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah they're a massive name um and we we were a little bit skeptical going in because we knew stories about what axel can be like and this was after the actual breakup so we knew it wasn't slash slash and and duff and and uh the, the original lineup but you know regardless it's still the classic songs so and it's still Axel. So we, we went over and um, lo and behold, it they came on stage about an hour and a half after they were supposed to. So the the whole crowd was a little bit peed off with them anyway. Um, and but, you know, we had a good time. It's it's always the classic songs, of course. There, there was a slight strangeness to it because I don't know who the guitarist was at that point, but he was sort of dressed as Slash, you know, he had the hat and the oh, sunglasses on, so it sort, sort of felt a little bit inauthentic in, the, in that respect. Yeah. And then the lasting memory of it is is basically because they came on an hour and a half late, it meant they went into the curfew. So, you know, a festival has a hard cutoff. It doesn't matter what's happened. They got a hard cut, hard cutoff that they have to stop the music. Yeah. So the PA system got completely turned off and Axel obviously decided he wasn't done. And so he tried to protest and sing Paradise City 
but without the backing of the band or a microphone or anything. Oh. And it was just a little bit embarrassing by the end. Yeah. So it was, it was amazing to hear some of those songs live, but it wasn't the greatest experience of it. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah. Yeah. You actually ha- are the perfect person to ask this. Now you've heard him singing without the backing of the band. How bad were his vocals? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't great, I've got to say. <laughs> but also, you know, I was probably in a crowd of about 80,000 people. Mm. So I, I think there's probably very few people that could actually hear him at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. You know, they have such a bad name. And it's like they have a bad name for two different things. You know, in the early days, it was a bad name for him being a diva and him not showing up for concerts, stuff like that, and just, mm-hmm. you know, taking the piss. And then nowadays, yeah. of course, to have the bad name for him not being able to sing at all like he, he used to yeah. be. Like, I seen him this summer for the first time, and, you know, I've kind of described it before as, like you said, you're not going to say no to Guns N' Roses. And I was kind of, of thinking, no matter what they sound like i'll be able to ha- say that i've seen guns and roses live but, yeah exactly yeah once you take the nostalgia and everything out of it you know if he was up there singing karaoke in a bar he'd be booed <laughs> off stage you know he yeah. just he doesn't have yeah. the voice anymore no i mean it's it's sad it, and it obviously it does happen with you know you see a lot of i think the same things happened uh with vince neil from motley crew you know they, they've done a comeback tour this year i think and and people are saying the same thing and you know obviously it's it's just decades of doing the the wrong things to your body it's obviously not gonna enable you to to sing like you might have used to being able to 40 years ago but as you say it it's it's a chance that you just you're not going to say oh yeah i had the chance to see guns and roses but i said no you know you don't you don't want to be that person no no and because they might be on form you never know yeah exactly exactly they could because they've released a couple of newer songs now as well and it sounds like when he's in the studio he's perfect now i know they're probably oh, really a hell of a lot of stuff done to his voice in the studio but you know what you wouldn't mm-hmm. listen to it now and say oh my god he can't sing Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. And you mentioned Motley Crue. I've heard rumours that they're going to extend that tour over to Europe next year. Would you go see them? I can't say that I would, unfortunately. I think they're, again, I know they're a, they're a massive name. They had the legacy. But for me, they they don't have the sort of the same stature and, and classic songs as someone like Guns N' Roses for me. There's a couple of Motley Crue songs that if they come on on, on a playlist or something, I'd, I'd be happy with it, but they're not actually a band I've I've ever really planned to sit down and listen to. Mm. I can only imagine what the, the ticket prices would be. I had a guest recently <laughs> tell me that in the States, it's $300 for a ticket to go wow. see them. And That's crazy. they're not the type of act that can command that. Their egos already can command that, but not their music. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I think you'd expect that from a band like Rolling Stones, for instance. Yeah. But I think they, you know, they they can still achieve a lot of a lot of things that they would have done a ton of years ago. Whereas I don't know if a band like Motley Crue are still putting out the the same live show. I'd love to uh, be able to go back and see if they didn't have the notoriety, you know, for their antics off the stage. Would they yeah. still have been as big? Because it was a great marketing ploy, really, as well. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it, I think it often is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And next question, is there a favorite experience at a concert that doesn't have to do with the band? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, favorite experience at a concert that doesn't have to do with the band. I think, I mean, I, I guess anything sort of will maybe like trickle down would relate to the band. But um, I think I had a, uh, myself and, and that same director, we, we were fortunate enough to to make a music video for a band called Beartooth, which um, they um, flew us to Los Angeles to make. And whilst we were there, they had their album release. And so we, we got to, go see them at the Roxy on Sunset Boulevard, oh, man. which was amazing. And and so for me, it wasn't necessarily about the band or about the music that I was seeing because I didn't, I wasn't sort of an existing fan. I wasn't at the gig to see the band necessarily. I was just there because I had been invited. <laughs> um, but it, it was more about being in such an iconic place as the Roxy and and uh, we'd been for drinks at the the uh, the Rainbow Lounge beforehand, and and so it was it sort of felt like I was ticking off these major rock and roll milestones. Yeah. Um, but it, it wasn't necessarily that I'd planned to do it. So that that was that was a great experience. Jeez, yeah, it sounds just like doubt anything could be that now. Jeez. <laughs> and before we move on to the last couple of questions, you mentioned at the start that. Both you and Kyle play music. Would you like to tell us a bit about that? Uh, sure. Yeah. So I I uh, play, well, I play guitar um, and bass, and I I have done in various bands over the years since I've been a teenager. Um, nothing to any real extent, you know, sort of school bands and and a few battle of the bands and and those sort of things. Um, and nowadays I make music under the name of OSMR, which is my initials backwards. Um, and it's, uh, it's all sort of instrumental progressive rock. Um, I guess it would class as post rock or post metal. Um, and I just do it all myself and a lot of programming and and stuff at, at home. And it's, it's more of just a creative outlet for myself rather than anything I'd want to take to a live show or anything like that it's more just a, a nice project that i have at home yeah to feed your creativity instead of becoming a rock star so exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right right we'll we'll get on to the last couple of questions so if there was a band or performer from history you could see in concert for one night only who would it be um i think it would either have to be someone that has died before I've become a fan and that I could go back and see. So maybe Nirvana in their prime or Alice in Chains with Lane Staley as the singer. Um, those, those, or Eddie Van Halen, of course, um, you know, it would have been incredible to see him when he was young. Um, or it would be a band that's still around and, and still has the same lineup, but I would want to see them when they were just hitting the scene rather than sort of doing a legacy thing. So, you know, if you could see Black Sabbath in 1970 and, and not know what was going to happen, I think that would just be such a, a wow moment. Yeah, yeah. 
I often think to myself, I'd love to see these bands, you know, at the exact gig that broke them, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It'd be unbelievable. Yeah. Because I know obviously like a band like Black Sabbath, I know that they did headline at Download Festival with that original lineup, Mm. like not too many years ago. And so, of course, you know, you're seeing you're seeing the same guys and you're seeing the same songs, but I think there'd be a, a world of difference seeing them when they're in their twenties and, and the albums don't have the same legacy and, and it's just, you're going to see a band and you don't really know what to expect. I think that would be so different to seeing them on a sort of legacy tour. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the next one, if there was an artist or musician you had to be locked in a room with for 24 hours, who would it be? Well, um, well, someone talkative and someone with a lot of stories. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, maybe someone like Dave Grohl. And I've sort of always heard that he's a lovely guy and he's obviously got a lot of stories to tell. So um, maybe someone like him would be nice. I hear that a couple of times. All right, Dave Grohl. And I'm not surprised, you know, he does come across as the nicest guy in, in the music industry. But um, I often think, wouldn't it be so strange if, like, it's all an act and in the background he's some sort of, like, Bond villain? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it almost wouldn't surprise me. Maybe not so much about him, but, you know, you hear stories about some people being great or, you know, you see actors and you you think you'd love them and then you hear stories about them being kind of horrible. And I think it it happens so often that I guess it wouldn't surprise me about anyone now. Sadly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The thing with Dave Grohl, though, as well, I'm always thinking if I ever got the chance to to talk to him, it'd be so hard because obviously one of the first things I'd want to ask him is about Nirvana and Kurt Cobain. And, you know, it'd be hard to actually bring that up. I don't think I'd be able to because I'd feel like he'd be like, he either wouldn't want to talk about it or he's sick of it because that's what everyone wants to talk about. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. I actually, um, he, he brought out a book, um, at the end of last year called Storyteller. Yeah. And, um, I read that recently and it's really fascinating, really cool stories in there about, um, about his days in Nirvana and his days in Scream actually before Nirvana. Um, and then sort of how Foo Fighters evolved. And I mean, he, he definitely has some really fun stories and someone of his stature. I just think he's probably met every single person in in rock and roll and in music generally that you could you could probably just ask him for 24 hours what's this person what's this person like you know and he'd he'd have a story for all of them yeah yeah definitely definitely did you um i suppose you probably would have mentioned it already you obviously didn't get a chance to go to the taylor hawkins tribute concert no i didn't sadly i was i was working i wasn't able to do it um, it, it did look pretty incredible though. I mean, the, the lineup of artists that they, they got for that looked yeah. amazing. Yeah. It'd be unreal if they could make it a yearly thing or something similar, oh. wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would be very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was almost like a live aid from rock music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was lucky enough to see Foo Fighters, um, about 10 years ago. Ah. Um, they they played a, a couple of sort of arena size shows and we saw them at an outside venue um, just north of London and uh, yeah that was a fantastic night and they had um, 
you, you always sort of expected special guests to just turn up with Foo Fighters, as, as I say, because he's sort of friends with everyone. Yeah. Um, and, and the night we were there, um, John Paul Jones um, from Led Zeppelin turned up oh, and C6 Steve. Do you remember him? Um, yeah, was, yeah, actually. Yeah, he, he had this sort of uh, the handmade guitars and handmade instruments and he played some very like slidey, uh, bluesy style guitars and uh, yeah, so him, he was on guitar. Dave went to the drum kit, and John Paul Jones played bass, and they just jammed out for for a while. It was very cool. Oh man, that that sounds like such a, a cool gig. I seen yeah. them back in two thousand nineteen in Dublin. Oh cool. And yeah, unfortunately there was no special guests, but still it was one of the the best concerts I've been to. I feel like they're the band that you would, no matter how many times you see them, you'd never get a bad experience. I think so, yeah, or at least I'd like to think so. And yeah. I think they just have such a a strong back catalogue as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And the final question, if there was a song that could appear on the soundtrack to your life, what would it be? <laughs> um, song to the soundtrack of my life... Uh, that is a tough one. Um, I think I, hmm, it it would probably be probably a song that I, it, it, yeah, hmm, it's a difficult question. It it would probably just end up being something that I've, one of the songs that I've listened to the most in my life. Um, maybe uh something but i'm trying to think of something witty in terms of a title but i <laughs> i can't really <laughs> um so it would probably be something like um master of puppets uh metallica or, or something like that um just yeah i'm i'm just just trying to think of what are the songs that i've probably listened to the, the most number of times <laughs> in my life probably something like that that's a good choice it's a good choice it's actually one that's after coming up recently in the last month or so i always think oh, really? it's funny when uh it seems to always happen like a couple of songs or a couple of answers will come up the same time in the space of a month and then i'll never hear them again <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's weird but no that's a that's a pretty solid choice now it's a good one right well rich it's been an absolute blast i've really enjoyed chatting with you now i feel like we could have probably chatted for about six or seven hours about music and concerts yeah, I would love to. It's at any time. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to do it again sometime. For sure. Yeah, it's been real fun. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. And if you're interested in signing up the Band Builder Academy, use the link in the show notes below and enter the code CONCERTS and you'll receive 10% off. So, until next time, keep rocking. Hey. Hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show's over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.